Quebec man set 14 forest fires back in May. Saskatchewan teachers stage one day strike and the government doesn't seem too concerned yet. Family and community support workers on military bases in Ontario and Quebec are also on strike. And Iranian bombs killed two children in Pakistan near those countries' shared border. Good morning. It's Wednesday, January 17th. I'm Nora and here are your headlines. First, remember all those conspiracy theorists online who claimed that the federal government was deliberately setting forest fires to trick us into believing that climate change is real? Well, it turns out that at least one of those conspiracy theorists set 14 forest fires himself. Brian Paré pled guilty to 13 counts of arson and one count of arson, quote, with disregard for human life, unquote, reports the Canadian press. One of the fires that Paré set caused an evacuation of 500 homes in Chappé, a tiny community that is more than 400 kilometers northwest of Quebec City. Paré set his first fires three days after open fires were banned by the Quebec government for fear they might spread and turn into wildfires. Things were particularly dry at that time. Sadly, the Canadian press report, as it appears in the Ottawa Citizen, doesn't say much more about this guy, but there you have it. The conspiracy is coming from inside the conspiracy house. But back in May, La Presse reported that half of the municipality was at risk of the fire. Quebec's forest fire fighting service, Sotfeu, tried to fight back the flames but wasn't able to. The fire was too intense. Residents of Chappé were told to evacuate to an arena in Shibugamu, about 45 kilometers away. But about a week later, people were asked to go even further, to Saint-Félicien, as Shibugamu had been evacuated as well. An emergency shelter was set up to receive people who fled the 250 kilometers away and some 150 forest firefighters tried to keep the blaze at bay. Next to Saskatchewan, where yesterday teachers staged a one-day strike, the 13,500 members of the Saskatchewan Teachers Federation braved the frigid temperatures to demand more support from the government for their students, reported Alex Saloum from the Regina Leader Post. There were 40 rallies held across the province. Class sizes are too big and classes have become too complex, say teachers that Saloom talked to. One teacher said that it's common to have kids at seven or eight different literacy and numeracy levels in the same class. Basically, we've got one-room schoolhouses again, except the kids are the same age. <laughs> Devin Peters, one teacher, decried the fact that their school's part-time psychologist has a caseload of 250 students and that, quote, Heck, I'm rationing pencils, man. I'm not allowed to give pencils to my kids, unquote. The teachers and government have been in bargaining for seven months, but Saloum reports that bargaining has stalled. A conciliation report slammed government negotiators for not negotiating with the teachers. The conciliation report said this, quote, the government side cannot continually put forward the need for local autonomy and local decision making at the school board level when no local ability to raise funds to support any such decisions exist. School boards are simply unable to address the issues, unquote. 
Saloom quoted Minister of Education Jeremy Cockrell saying, quote, the 27 school divisions in Saskatchewan should be the arbiters of matters related to classroom complexity and composition, unquote. Saloom mentions that Cockrell says this, quote unquote, again. I think this is such an interesting point. The government claiming that the school boards are the ones that have to do these negotiations is completely ridiculous. School boards manage, school boards oversee, school boards give some level of local democracy over the education that kids are getting in a particular area, but they can't raise funds. They don't have the ability to get more money. That all comes from the government. And this little game that the Saskatchewan government is playing, I mean, it's not going to go very well for them if they keep trying it because it doesn't make sense. It's not true. At the end of the day, the buck does stop with the Ministry of Education and the provincial government. I mean, God, this is really, really obvious stuff. Minister Cockrill also said that the teacher's salary ask is, quote, unreasonable and unfair, and that the government isn't going to change its position, which, newsflash, that's not how negotiations work. <laughs> anyway, Now, somewhat annoyingly, this article doesn't actually say what the teacher's salary demands are. So it, we actually can't figure out whether or not they are unreasonable and unfair, as Cockrell says they are. I suspect that they're not, but it does take quite a bit to look around to figure out where wages fit into all of this. It's not actually included in any of the articles that I could see about yesterday's strike, which tells me that the union isn't actually making this a very big feature of why they've walked out. The latest information I could find was from June, when the government bargaining team put forward a 7% wage increase over three years. I mean, okay, if they think that that is fair and unreasonable, my God, folks, what a joke. Of course, maybe they've put out a higher offer since June, but I, I, don't, I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. Even the Quebec government started higher than that. <laughs> At the heart of this issue is a government that doesn't really seem to understand how collective bargaining actually is supposed to work. They've argued that things like classroom composition, quote, are not matters to be discussed during collective bargaining, unquote. Uh, yes, they are for sure. They're, they're, they're for sure part of it. Cockrell is wrong and he seems new. <laughs> Reminder that a key part of Quebec's teacher negotiations was also class size and composition. They had to go on a six-week strike. If that happens in Saskatchewan, my advice to you folks is to work with local community centers to organize daycares and day camps. That will allow you to have the longest strike necessary while parents will stand by you. Next to more strike news, some 500 workers walked off the job at military bases in Ontario and Quebec yesterday. Natalia Goodwin from CBC News reports that the workers at Petawawa, Kingston, Valcartier, Montreal and Bagotville are on strike, plus some Ottawa-based employees. They mostly do family support work and other technical support work for military personnel. Indeed, in Quebec City, because of the English community being so small, it's impossible for an Anglophone to live here and not know someone who works or has worked at one of these roles at Valcartier. The workers are represented by the Union of National Defence Employees, which is a subsection of the Public Service Alliance of Canada. The employees aren't employed directly by National Defence, though, and that's part of why they're in the situation that they find themselves. They are employed by an agency that isn't covered under the Public Service Employment Act. And therefore, the employees are paid less than workers doing similar work in other parts of Canada. Goodwin cites shipping and receiving clerks at Petawawa as an example. They make just above minimum wage at $17.19 per hour and 54% less than someone who's working a similar job but who also works for national defense. Management said that they will keep services going during the strike and did not respond to questions asked by CBC. And finally, to Islamabad. 
Iranian air attacks in Pakistan have killed two children and injured three other children, says Pakistan. The blasts happened in Balochistan province. Pakistan and Iran share a 1,000-kilometer border that is sparsely populated, reports Al Jazeera. Pakistan's foreign ministry decried the attack and said that, quote, this violation of Pakistan's sovereignty can have serious consequences, unquote. Iranian state media said that the region was targeted because Iran tried to hit two bases of a group called Jaish ad adl an armed group based in Pakistan. Iran hasn't officially commented. Jaish al adl has been attacking Iranian border guards for more than a decade, and some of those attacks have been fatal. Iran has also been active in other parts of the world this week. They fired missiles at northern Syria to attack ISIS locations there, and they also launched missiles into Iraq. They claimed that they were targeting a Mossad headquarters, which is near the U.S. consulate compound in Erbil. But the attacks in Iraq killed several civilians. Iraq and Pakistan have both recalled their ambassadors from Iran in reaction to the attacks. Iraq has denied that there is any Mossad location where the bombs hit. Erbil is in Iraq's semi-autonomous Kurdish region. Recently, ISIS claimed responsibility for two suicide bombings that killed nearly 100 people who were at a ceremony to memorialize Qasem Soleimani, the general who was killed by a 2020 U.S. drone strike. Those are your headlines for Wednesday, January 17th. I'm Nora. You're listening to this podcast at sandynora.com, on the Real News Network podcast feed, and anywhere you get your podcasts. I hope you have a wonderful day, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.